0: Welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. San Francisco time on the world's best internet radio station, BFF.fm, or subscribe to the podcast at for the Record Podcast, all one word, dot com. This week we're talking about the second album from a Kansas duo called Sweeping Promises, titled Good Living is Coming for You, and the first song is called Eraser. to be very many new releases towards the end of the year and so we were looking back at best of 2023 lists and found this album that came out uh in June of 2023 and gave it a listen and you it really grabbed you more than it grabbed me but it has really grown on me
1: yeah this music is so energetic and so strange and these songs are so Short and packed with ideas, and have this sound that is simultaneously really rich and super lo fi. And it won me over almost instantly. I, I this, this song was the lead single and a fantastic choice of that, where it's just got this crazy energy where it goes from sort of sweet intro where I'm just like cute to crazy riot girl to these insane either synth or guitars so processed that it sounds like a synth kind of textures and all of it with this sense of menace and that menace being kind of about this weird like shit version of yourself, this like dark, instinct your your own ambition out to out to cause havoc yeah
0: so this this band is a duo as we said that lived in boston have has lived a few different places and now is has found a home in kansas where they bought a house that has a studio that they can record in. that's a kind of a big cavernous room that was a figure drawing studio so it gives it kind of that very large the sound of being recorded in a large room but this is a couple there's singer bassist Lyra Mondal and then Caulfield Snug who plays guitar drums and I think everything else um, we couldn't find any other credits besides violin on one song so i think they play all the instruments themselves
1: yeah it's a real sense of do it yourself they're like recording it in their own home studio and uh, Snug, who I guess also records a bunch of other bands mm-hmm. in that same studio, so it's great that they're trying to be like supporting the local music scene there. But yeah, that it's just like they're producing it, they're playing all the instruments almost, and it has, yeah, such a great energy. And I love though that we go from this like really aggressive and angry song where there's just hints of kind of prettiness later. And then we go to a second track where the same sense of sort of doom and menace continues but with this almost throwback sweet melodicism and that's a track called shadow me song, I love how it makes this track from this really kind of cutesy singing in this little shadow over me, which to me felt like almost like this 60s girl group kind of sound. And even earlier in the song where there's like a verse chorus, first chorus, and we heard the second of those. In the first one, it's even more kind of ornamented and sweet with lots of melisma. And then it becomes a little more straightforward. And then suddenly we hit this bridge and it's just like, oh no, now we're going straight to new wave town. And with a lot of energy and anger and it sounds freaking fantastic
0: yeah this is really kind of like the third revival of new wave because we had the all all the kind of new wave latter-day new wave bands in the early 2000s and then of course the originals in the late 70s early 80s but they somehow make this sound fresh there's a lot of different influences coming in it doesn't sound like a pastiche and they, they have such great songwriting skills. Like all of these songs are packed with hooks and are just really concise and have, as you said, a lot of different ideas. And the more I listen, the more interesting things I heard.
1: Yeah. I mean, this, is, this song actually has like, as a repeated first chorus, that Eraser first track had basically nothing, no element was repeated. There was a chorus that was never repeated. There's like a post-chorus. It was just crazy. This one actually is a little bit more of a traditional pop songwriting, and yet it's still... Each time through, things change, the sound is modified, stuff gets louder, quieter, more instrumentation comes in, like the guitars get way louder, and as I said, it, t- it takes you on this nice track from cutesy pop into new wave in the course of, what, two and a half minutes.
0: And I think this taps into the theme of new wave and punk, which the under the undercurrent is always the problems with capitalism, and there's a lot of themes of living through late-stage capitalism here and the problem with modernity and i think that's exemplified by this next track which is called it's the title track it's not called good living is coming to you but good living is coming for you Again, takes a real left turn and it's so menacing and her voice is so guttural and it really it's more of a punk feel except it's got that bass that just really makes you want to dance
1: yeah it's to me though her versatility where we heard her straight aggression then Mm -hmm. this kind of prettiness on the second track and here it's like super low and guttural and then going into these soaring kind of art song sections Mm -hmm. and when you know you read in their band bio they're like oh they met in college and she was studying vocal performance as Mm -hmm. her major and like oh yeah she's got that sort of formal training to do these really kind of high wire act vocals and pull it off it's kind of great
0: and the sonics really bring out that feeling of menace from the title the good living is coming for you it's the the Minor key guitar stings and these weird, like kind of buzzing sounds that we trailed off for off with there, and just you know, even the drums and the and the bass are very just like dun 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 dun, yeah. like yeah. it's very feels very threatening.
1: Yeah, and it works in the context of this album where we had this sort of generalized anxiety that seemed as much sort of initially anchored on the self. And now we're kind of pivoting to feeling it, but realizing that it is this assault coming from without of like being kind of inculcated with this desire to, ooh, I can get this stuff and and get my house all nice. Mm -hmm. And obviously, and yeah, and this was obviously a pandemic record Mm -hmm. that their first record was released, I guess, right coming into the pandemic Mm -hmm. in 2020. And then they got signed to Sub Pop. And in fact, the Sub Pop Advance is how they bought the house in Lawrence, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now this record is sort of coming out of that experience. And um, that, yeah, it's so tempting when times are bad. Like, oh, I could just get something nice and make my house nice. And this song turning that, you know, if you think about it, kind of awful instinct into this yeah, aggressive and palpable menace. I love it. Yep.
0: The next song is called Connoisseur of Salt.
1: Just blown away by how well sequenced this record is where mm-hmm. there is such it tells such a story and it takes us on this journey where there are these kind of pairs of songs that work so well together and so we had the previous track goodling if it's coming for you is this sense of like oh you're being sold this aesthetic and being told like oh if you just decorate your house and make mm-hmm. it nice then it'll be great and then this track is just pulling back the curtain and really saying, hey, if you're participating in that system, that if you're going to start buying things, well, you have to work your ass off. And no matter how much stuff you get, it's it's not worth it. It's not, And it, and then that metaphor of this song title, The Connoisseur of Salt. So it's like, keep pouring salt on it. Maybe it'll taste So much enough. flavor. Yeah, I, it'll, I, it'll I also... cover It'll cover up the bitter taste of participating in a just broken system
0: i also think it's important to mention that Mondal is used to be a pastry chef and there's a lot of food metaphors and ideas throughout this album there's a song that we're not going to play called petty for and there's this song connoisseur of salt and you know there are so many different fancy salts you can buy which i can't really tell the difference and i think it's the the premise of the song is making fun of those kind of people who want to have really expensive versions of like a basic thing because they're such a connoisseur but like it doesn't really matter and is this really what you're going to focus your life on that was the attitude i took from it
1: yeah and then yeah so that's it really is yeah and it starts off with really focusing more on the consumption and then here this is kind of the middle section of the song where these horns kind of come in and create this sense of unease and unbalance as it's like well no that the entire, it's you working and focusing on your work to make enough money to live this lifestyle that's really what's causing the problem. And- yeah,
0: saxophones are always, I, I feel like there's the idea of the rock saxophone as being kind of like a romantic. Instrument like a Kenny G. Yeah. And I feel like when it's used in New Wave and punk, it's more often this abrasive, disoriented, kind of like an animal, like squawking kind of sound. Even yeah. though it's melodic in this song, it adds that element of off kilterness.
1: Yeah, it's got this very, yeah, very 80s sound, except then, like, that section we kind of go out with where this guitar's come in and it almost has this like 60s spy movie kind of energy that mm. I love uh yeah it's such a f- it and it's fun like it's it this isn't didactic it's a really blast of a track even as it is i mean it's hitting over over the head with this uh, message and yet it's a blast to listen to so the next track we'll play kind of pivots into another section, uh, another approach on this record. It's called Walk in Place.
0: So much going on musically that it's hard to believe that it's only two people. You have Mondal doing her own backing vocals in kind of an entirely different tone. And then Schnug is, has very quiet backing male vocals in some of this. And then just a ton of different instrumentation. And the, the way that the song covers, it changes key and tone like three different times. Yeah. It's very strange.
1: No, it, it really blows me away that we're kind of, you know, we hear these this first, and then these horns come in. We change key back to a major key, back to the minor key, then into a third key, and then I think maybe into a fourth key, mm-hmm. and it somehow all works, and most of it is anchored in this very kind of 80s new wave. Mm-hmm. The, gu- the guitars are very the Cure. Yeah, I was going
0: to say, I feel like this is the most 80s sounding song on this but, record. But
1: then even pieces of it like where it, again one of those key shifts where it starts going to this very like when it, one of those major key like bloop 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 and it's mm-hmm. just like almost like like video game music like i don't know what's going on but it's it's not 80s at all and yet it feels like a natural progression and what i love is that this song is about oh i've kind of come to this realization about the world and i feel so stuck i'm walking in place and mm-hmm. i just feel trapped and that message is being delivered in a song that is constantly moving and constantly changing Mm -hmm. and shifting gears and throwing these playful curveballs at you and it is yeah i i it's kind of i'm a sucker for that kind of contrast and sometimes it's the sad the sad song that's playful here it's a stuck song that moves a ton
0: the next song we'll play is called you shatter
1: Is another track i think that dips really heavily into the 80s new wave sound and yet even for all that there's this fantastic transition where you get the kind of verse and pre-chorus have that total you know 80s aesthetic and then the choruses are go into some weird modal discordant that i can't quite even make sense of musically while the singing becomes like this high almost operatic musical theater style Mm -hmm. and it works, but it's also, it's completely bizarre (laughs) and Mm -hmm. fun. And I love that their description of this song is just our ode to being a hammer.
0: So I think one of the things that is very intentional intentional about this record is the way that it has that lo-fi kind of single mic sound that I mentioned is just recorded in this big cavernous room. And you said that that was something that you liked about it. Yes. I I actually, I, I like to be able to hear all the instrumentation more clearly. And one of the things that I think gets lost with the presentation in this song is all of the male backing, all the male vocals, which there actually are some lyrics on here that are sung by schnug but you can almost it's very difficult to hear them yeah. and i just would like a little less lo-fi and a little more clarity yeah
1: and so what i will say is if if you or any of our listeners are thinking that uh there are a ton of online uh live performances and it's kind of not what you expect because you expect oh the album's be the clean version and the live version will be mm-hmm. the messy one but in fact there's a number of these including an 18 minute set from October on the best show podcast that's available on YouTube and that set super cleanly produced. Mm-hmm. And so you get them as well as their touring drummer, Spencer Grala, who's great. Um, yeah, and I guess you can't
0: play guitar and drums at the same time. It's
1: challenging. <laughs> I think I saw Janet Weiss play drums and bass at the same time once that that was a thing, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it was re- what I did want to point out from that is, A, I had actually heard that performance and it didn't really grab me because of I found the um, sort of lo-fi production so charming. But I suspect that if you were to see them in a real club, maybe one without the best sound, it would give you some of that grungy, rough feeling. What it did tell me, though, is to just to listen to the singing of Lyra Mondal when the sound is clean you realize oh my god her voice is amazing not only is she classically trained but clearly has just the native talent that puts her in league with i think with some of the best singers out there able to do the sheer power and yet with this sort of range of styles and a real playfulness that just yeah elevates her oh you know just based on this one album she's suddenly one of my favorite rock singers
0: yeah they're both really talented and they've played in a ton of different bands over the years and one of the ones we was listening we were listening to last night is called the mini dresses which is more of kind of a bedroom pop kind of style and her vocals are much more in the forefront and you really appreciate what a great singer she is.
1: Yeah, it is fantastic to see, yeah, this sort of statement here. First record sounds okay, but this record, and I think they did maybe add a second microphone maybe for this one, so it's, but it has that same aesthetic for sure.
0: So the next song we'll play is the penultimate track and it's called Throw of the Dice. things, music and artists in a particular genre because that's how I make sense of it in my head and I've heard this record described as post-punk which I find annoying because like, we're at the point where everything is post-punk like, that doesn't really mean anything and it does feel very new wave to me but th- some of the pieces and some of the songs like this song in particular if you just played me this song without the rest of the context of the album it sounds so different and it sounds almost like a i don't know like an early 2000s pop song it it has such a different feel and it, it i just what i really like about this album is how you can drop in at any point and hear something completely different, but it has a unified feel and it feels cohesive as an album.
1: Yeah. I mean, if I had to pick something, I think, I guess I would pick new wave just because that's sort of the most consistent through line, but it is not remotely the only style that's pulled from here. But those and it's
0: operatic vocals, well, especially yeah, here, in Well the...
1: Yeah, the operatic vocals and then here is, yeah, so it's so poppy, like it's such a pop sensibility. And... It's so such a great penultimate track because it feels like there is this sense of a little bit of hope. The entire album has been building dread and this sense of personal dread becoming sort of systemic dread, becoming just paralysis and then sort of lashing out. And in fact, the track we didn't play right before this is kind of this just being depressed about the monotony of kind of gentrification architecture. And so here that there's this great image of just like you just found a little patch of grass like and it's still surviving for all of the horrible things in the world and the homogenization of the of capitalism there's still a little bit of nature surviving and that resilience we can take hope from that and also we can be that resilient bit of grass and so it's such a great image even though it's not much it's not pollyannish it's not like it's not saying everything's great but it's like there's a little bit of hope and you can carry on and yeah, it's a great way to be coming into the home stretch here.
0: I also think that the way that the her vocals are multi-tracked and layered in the like they each come in at a different point in the chorus is such a great effect, and it also it gives that feeling of like things piling up and it's you know accumulating. And it, like you said, it's a great penultimate track because it's kind of like all of the things in earlier in the record piling up in this second to last song
1: yeah it is i I said before i'll say again a fantastically sequenced and the variety throughout but so the it is somehow manages to be so ambitious and yet totally consistent thematically musically it's all over the place and yet feels all the songs work and the album works as a whole yeah it's just really impressive work and uh the joys of the end of the year. Like, I I would have just felt terrible if I'd somehow missed this
0: record. Yeah, I make fun of... People who make lists every year, even though I kind of do it myself and we will often have a podcast towards the end of the year about these are the like the albums that we didn't talk about that I really liked. And usually it's, you know, because it's a band we've talked about before or for whatever reason or you didn't like it. You know, I, (laughs) I, I present you with potentials and, you know, there's one that, you know, there'll be one that you just didn't like and you didn't want to do. But I really liked And so. Anyway, it's a. this is a benefit of looking back over the years, maybe finding some things we missed. And this was one that didn't k- get on my radar when it was released, but I'm really glad we found it.
1: Yeah, Sweeping Promises. And I think if the promise was good music, then that <laughs> promise was kept.
0: So the last song that we'll go out with is my favorite song on the record. It's called Ideal No. And again, we've been talking, to, talking about Sweeping Promises and their second album, Good Living Is Coming For You. And you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks so much for listening.
2: member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.